Hey everyone. We all have that project we want to spread to as many people as possible. It could be a book or a company, or in my case, I'm going to be honest with you, a cult. Well, today's book can help. Praise to our Lord, Agar the Bloodthirsty. The book is Contagious by Jonah Berger. <laughs> I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, uh, a member of a new cult that I can't talk about. And <laughs> before this book, I had not heard the word contagious every day for the last three years. <laughs> And I'm David Vance. My career actually started in viral marketing. Today's episode is sponsored by Smallpox. Contagious gives amazing tips for making something more popular. And you can bet I'll use all of them to make you share my podcast. And this is The Book Pile. All right, quick reminder that if you share this podcast with your friends, you will look so cool. Am I doing that right? <laughs> N.C. Jensen says, just found this podcast a week ago. I went back and started at the beginning, and it's so fun. Oh, I'm glad he kept listening if he started at the very beginning. <laughs> and it's so fun to listen to. I haven't listened to anything else. Kellen is hilarious, as always, as is Dave. Well, thank you, N.C. Jensen. Now, if you want to see me live, I'm going to be in New Jersey this week at Bananas Comedy Club. This Friday and Saturday, June 24th and 25th. Go to KellenErskine.com for tickets. I actually have a story about actual bananas uh, in this episode. <laughs> also, I recently got to be a part of a fantastic podcast, Musical Monday, with Zach Atherton and Shayma Combs. They're brilliant musical improvisers, and every Monday they come up with three full songs of a made-up Broadway musical. Uh, as a guest on their show, I got to contribute the name of the musical and the songs, uh, and then they did the hard part of actually coming up with all the music on the spot. It was super fun. Between the songs, we have conversations about this musical that doesn't exist, which I decided would be called Space Rage. <laughs> so that'll be the name of the episode when you look for it. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts or YouTube if you want to watch it. A Musical Monday. Finally, our next two books are Persepolis and The Return of the King. All right. And without further ado, here are four lessons that we took from contagious. Lesson one, to spread your product, attach it to triggers. He starts this chapter by asking, what do you think gets more word of mouth, Disney World or Honey Nut Cheerios? And as a reader, you're like, oh, the not obvious answer, or this wouldn't be in the book. <laughs> he says, surprise, it's Cheerios. I want to see just one nonfiction book where it's the obvious answer. <laughs> like, who's better at running a company, a 40-year-old or a baby? <laughs> Anyway, he looks at Twitter where Cheerios gets mentioned more often than Disney World, and he says, you know, Disney World is so much more exciting, but every morning Cheerios gets a huge spike in mentions because morning is a trigger that makes you think of or use Cheerios. Mm -hmm. And how often are you reminded of Disney World in your daily life? Well, I guess I'm the exception to that rule because every morning for breakfast, I eat a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I eat Mickey's Young. <laughs> So the basic argument here is things get more word of mouth when there's something in your daily life that reminds you of them. He says it's kind of like how Rebecca Black's Friday got a huge spike in views every Friday. <laughs> and that made me curious. So here are other top songs that spike on Google Trends. September by Earth, Wind & Fire spikes every 21st night of September. My Corona spiked in March 2020. Uh -huh. 
It's the end of the world as we know it spiked March 2020, November 2016, and at the end of the Mayan calendar. (laughs) You got to think every time REM starts getting big residual checks, they're like, oh, no. (laughs) Baby shark spikes every time there's a shark attack. (laughs) I... I wrote that as a joke, but Baby Shark really did start getting big the week of a horrific shark attack. (laughs) Anyway, he says, can you tie your product to some trigger so every time people experience that trigger, they think of your product? And you want a trigger that's common, but not too common. Like, um, ask people what the color red reminds them of, and they give a bunch of different answers because red is so common. But ask them about peanut butter, and they say jelly. Unless they're like me and their identity is built on having a unique answer because I need to be so special always. <laughs> That's like the song uh, Elton John's Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. That mm-hmm. uh, I remember that song every time that I start fighting. <laughs> I actually looked that up for the Google Trends and the trend is that no one is looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Or like every day from 1 to 8 p.m., I remember that it's time to rock around the clock. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Lesson two, people share to show off. So Berger says, quote, people share because they want to be seen as clever, smart, and interesting. So Dave... I want you right now to uh, to tell me an interesting fact, just whatever, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, Chris Hadfield, the astronaut, did an interview where he talked about their training and he said, if something goes wrong, you might only get one breath. So you need to learn how to solve every one of your problems in one breath. (laughs) They should try that with, like, an American president. Just put him in space <laughs> in a suit, grab his hose, ready to kink it, and be like, solve the deficit. <laughs> Israel, go! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I that, was, that was pretty quick. And now, Dave, I want you to tell me, what's your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> Uh, I mean, genuinely, in high school, my best friend and I were walking out to lunch, and I cracked a joke about my dad dying, not knowing that a girl whose dad had just died was right behind us. Oh, my word. Okay. <laughs> he has never let me forget it. <laughs> so usually, usually, no one can think of like an embarrassing moment off the top of their head, unless unless they've been asked the question before, and have you shared this before? <laughs> Or unless your best friend Brian Warden brings it up twice a year. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that that's whenever this comes up in a party, like, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Like, I can never think of anything. <laughs> I also think it's an unfair question because often the most embarrassing thing might be a very dark thing that no one has ever wanted to reveal anyway. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird thing to bring up as like an icebreaker because it can often uh-huh. be like, what's the worst example of yourself that has happened (laughs) Berger says he says when we talk to others we're not only sharing information we're also saying something about ourselves and my theory is that people have a hard time like everyone goes blank when they're asked what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you because it's just not something that we ever bring up (laughs) 
because most of the things we want to share are highlights or even exaggerations, good exaggerations about ourselves. Like when you're sharing a daily anecdote with someone, it's never like, funniest thing happened to me today. I cut off someone in traffic and it was my fault and they yelled at me. <laughs> Yeah, you never you never want to be the villain of the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's never like, craziest thing, I slept in and forgot my appointment to donate blood. <laughs> if anything, we layer our stories up. Like, can you believe it? Today, on my way to volunteer at the Second Harvest Food Bank, I found that dog that's on all the posters. <laughs> also, I'm always a little jealous when comics in Los Angeles or San Francisco have conversations about sushi restaurants because, to me, they sound cultured and interesting. Um, I also think that they know that they sound that way, too. And it's hard for me because I just I, – I, I've said before that I have the palate of a, a child. I wish that I liked sushi and <laughs> – fancy sounding foods because no one wants to hear my fun fact about how if you order a mcdonald's dollar cheeseburger and add shredded lettuce it's actually pretty good <laughs> speaking of burgers jonah burger says quote since we want people to think we're interesting we search for interesting things to tell people and uh, something i realized reading this too that it it is always more about us than it even is about the thing we're saying yeah we've talked about this in like sharing bad news but i realize that this is really about everything because i know if i'm being honest with myself that if i told you dave that sleeping on your back produces the least amount of stress on your spine and you responded with yeah i knew that i've been sleeping face up since i was 10 I'd be disappointed because I I care more about being perceived as someone who's smart about healthy things than I actually care about anyone's health. <laughs> and what's funny is if you tell me an interesting fact, you're thinking, wow, I'm killing it with this interesting fact. And I'm thinking, I can't wait till I'm the person telling this interesting fact. <laughs> <laughs> It is funny, though. He talks about his friend who is like a Delta Diamond Medallion member, and the friend is always posting on Facebook, these funny things that happened in the Delta Sky Lounge, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and clearly the friend is trying to advertise himself and how cool he is. But a byproduct is that he's also advertising Delta, which works out great for Delta. <laughs> Unless this guy sucks, which he kind of sounds like he does. <laughs> I think I mentioned before that four or five years ago, my family won a trip to Universal Studios Orlando from the Today Show. Wow. And I realized in reading this book that every time I tell that story, I do mention that it was from the Today Show. Interesting. I was trying to figure out why, because I could just say that I won it. But I think in my mind, it's also like, yeah, you've all heard of the Today Show, right? They gave me airplane tickets. <laughs> Speaking of triggers, every day I wake up and say, I need to watch the Today Show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess my, my takeaway for this lesson is that we don't care if anyone else is interesting. We just want everyone to know that we are. <laughs> lesson three. Make it public. This is a short one. He tells the story about Apple making early laptops, and they were trying to decide which way should the logo go? Should it be right side up for the user when they're about to open it, or right side up for everyone else who's sitting by them? 
And apparently Steve Jobs favored the first one, but then switched to the second one because he basically realized, oh, all those Apple logos and coffee shops are just free advertising. And it's true. If I'm watching a movie, I can't take any artsy character seriously if their laptop is like Adele. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Now, the, the basic idea here is if you want your product to spread... Make it visible so that other people see it being used. It's kind of like how if you sent an email from your iPhone, it said sent from my iPhone. Mm. I want to make an email signature that says sent from my six-figure job. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the point is, whatever your thing is, how can you make it public so it spreads more easily? Oh, man, I could make this podcast come full circle right now by mentioning this interesting fact, and that is that it makes more sense when you're eating a hamburger to put it upside down on your plate between bites. Why? Because that's how you put it into your mouth. Imagine that there's a hamburger upside down right now in front of you. The way you grab it and pull it up to your mouth is just a perfect semicircle, right? Just an arc to your mouth so that it arrives right side up at your face rather than then unnaturally bending your wrist down (laughs) and then twisting it up to your face. Is that how you eat burgers? Of course it is. (laughs) And that's how everyone else will too. (laughs) This is the thing you're trying to spread? (laughs) It proves my point. It was something you didn't know. (laughs) And now I feel clever. You you have to understand how powerful this is, because even though I know you still disagree with me, I'm still like, I said something that was good. (laughs) All right. Lesson four, people love secrets, but not keeping them. Just ask Edward Snowden. (laughs) So Berger writes about this New York bar called Please Don't Tell. Which is is already funny to me that, like, the name of a business is Koi. (laughs) The idea is you walk into this nondescript subterranean hot dog restaurant and use a phone booth to call a number. And if you've made a reservation, a secret door opens up in the back of the booth and you walk into this, like, speakeasy. And I know that a a secret bar isn't exactly a new thing because for some guys it's just their sock drawer. But for a business... (laughs) I find it interesting. (laughs) This bar, they don't advertise anywhere. Even their website is a bit cryptic. I went to it today and it steers you away from their homepage within about five seconds. Hmm. And uh, I know that uh, the prohibition had some disadvantages like massive growth of organized crime. But other than that, (laughs) don't you think it was probably kind of fun? Yeah, all the speakeasies, Uh the jazz, the old ladies with hatchets for some reason. (laughs) Who were those ladies? <laughs> you know, those ladies had just been waiting for an excuse to have a good time. <laughs> so I've uh, I've performed a few times on this comedy series called Don't Tell Comedy, which now after reading this book sounds a bit similar. <laughs> but it, it's it's really fun. It's a series of live shows that are now available in, in many major cities in the U.S. And the whole idea is that if you sign up for their secret email list, you'll find out when the next show is in your town. But they won't disclose the location of the venue until hours before it starts. Mm. 
So again, it's this fun thing. It, it makes you feel like you're a part of this secret thing. Yeah. Going back to my previous point of like people just want to be seen as interesting, and if you know the secret show that no one else knows about, it's all about、uh-huh. like elevating your status in a friend group. It, it really is great though. Like every show is packed, and every show, every audience is amazing. And I, th- I think it's because what would normally just be a like a normal comedy show is now treated like a special event, right? And like、mm-hmm. everyone here is in on it, and no one else knows. <laughs> yeah. So I've performed in an industrial building outside the San Jose Airport, the basement of LA's Grand Central Market. And in the backyard of a hostel, but the show is the show. That's the funny thing to me. It's like the same comics. We could all be on the same show the next night at the Improv. We don't change our material. <laughs> like when we're in this secret place, like, hey, what, what's the deal with how the Priory of Cyan is a real clandestine organization, and we should all become members of it tonight? Huh? <laughs> what's up with that? Other business models should try that same shtick, like. Drop by in two hours for your special VIP colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> It's in a hostel. <laughs> I mean, I think you see that in our favorite stories. Like J.K. Rowling does that a ton with Harry Potter. So much of the fun with Harry Potter is that he knows he's a wizard, and the reader knows he's a wizard, and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of Harry Potter and the trip that I won from the Today Show, <laughs> one thing that's really fun about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando is that if you enter from the Diagon Alley side of the park, there's no signage for it. We walked past the entrance like three or four times before we saw it because it's just sort of a stone wall that's set in front of another stone wall, and you just sort of have to find your way into it. Interesting. But then after that, you're like, we know the secret entrance to this place. <laughs> now, how to let others know that we know it without them now also knowing it? <laughs> Perhaps a podcast. <laughs> But, but you honestly like you do feel good about yourself. Like there's almost this thought of like, I wonder how many people won't make it in here today. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen, what if we think we're telling stories about the human condition, and it turns out we're just the two most egotistical people in the world? <laughs> So my my takeaway from this is that if you run a business, maybe find a way to make it a secret that people are dying to discover and then break. <laughs> All right, random facts. I never thought about this before, but he talks about the "Just Say No" ad campaign, which seems to have been so ineffective that it may have actually increased drug use. <laughs> he pointed out the campaign actually had two messages: message one, drugs are bad; message two. Other people are doing them. <laughs> I want to give you a free idea. If you're single, say your name's Gary. Launch a flyer campaign that says "Stop dating Gary so much," so people will be like, "Ooh, who's Gary?" <laughs> I know it is.、Uh, it's complicated to quantify that data, but it makes sense to me. Because he brings up the point of like in these ads where a kid is saying. Hey, smoke this cigarette. The kid pushing the cigarette 
looks like a cool kid <laughs> that you would then want to be friends with, like a group that you would want to be a part of. So then you think, oh, I just have to find cigarettes now. Thanks, Barbara. Oh, no. Thanks, Nancy. Was it Nancy Reagan? Yeah. <laughs> Not until you said that did I realize that Nancy and Barb, those two characters in Stranger Things, are named after the first ladies. <laughs> <laughs> they should have done a Trojan horse campaign as though it were Marlboro being like, smoke on the way to chess club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually do think there is something to that. <laughs> the anti-smoking campaign is a pro-smoking campaign, just misaligned <laughs> with teens' interests. Like, smoke, all your parents are doing it. <laughs> So Berger brings up Blendtec's genius ad campaign, Does It Blend, on YouTube, where they just they throw random hard objects in a Blendtec blender and see if it'll pulverize them. And the first thing that he tested was a bunch of marbles. Oh, man. <laughs> he said that, that he blended it up and it turned into marble dust, which sparked an idea for this YouTube series. And it's like, yeah, I'm glad he didn't inhale and then die with his secret. <laughs> what a crazy first thing to throw into a blender. I wonder if this will turn into molecular glass that I can inhale. Does it aerosolize? <laughs> That's, yeah. Vitamix's campaign, can you weaponize it? <laughs> so we have a Vitamix. Which... Oh, did you get it from the Today Show? <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> the only way that I could eat spinach is when my wife hides it in a chocolate smoothie. <laughs> but we found this recipe for banana ice cream, which is you just chop up bananas, freeze them, and then blend them up. And it's a good, like, no added sugar ice cream. It's actually pretty terrible, but my kids like it. It's terrible because... Those idiots. It, <laughs> it's terrible because it looks like ice cream. The texture is like ice cream. And you even put sprinkles and stuff in it. But then you take a bite and you're like, oh, I've been tricked. <laughs> So I shared the recipe with my friend who has a Blendtec blender, and either he didn't read the whole recipe or, more likely, I forgot to share with him the information that uh, if you've been freezing the bananas for days, you need to let them sit for about a half an hour before putting them in the blender because <laughs> he tosses these banana chugs into his blender, turns it on, and no exaggeration – Whenever we start our Instagram, I'm going to share this picture. His Blendtec shot one of the banana chunks out of the blend, like punctured the side of the blender and across his kitchen. Oh my gosh. That's how hard it was. Why on earth does a blender need to be so strong? <laughs> Are we disposing of mob victims? <laughs> It's like when they had those Cutco knives and they're like, the scissors can cut through a penny. And it's like, what sort of crafts are you doing? <laughs> they can cut through stolen license plates. <laughs> he tells the story of this guy who flew United and they broke his expensive guitar and refused to reimburse it in any way. 
So he wrote this song and put it on YouTube called United Breaks Guitars, and it went viral. It now has 21 million views. It was this huge PR nightmare for United. <laughs> and first, isn't that just the most beautiful level of petty? <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to meet the United CEO who wished on a monkey's paw. I wish this won't be what people remember about United. <laughs> So here's another crazy fact about that Friday song. On a previous episode, I'd made fun of the rapper in the song, but I found out his name is Patrice Wilson, and he wrote the Friday song. <laughs> so not only did Rebecca Black not write the song, her parents paid this guy Patrice Wilson and another guy, Clarence J. The parents paid these guys $4,000 to write this song. Two adults who wrote the lyrics, gotta get a bowl, gotta have cereal. <laughs> well, you know, you know, they started that with gotta get a bowl. And one of them was like, dude, it's for a kid. Oh, uh, cereal. <laughs> The best part of the story to me is that this guy, Patrice, he raps in the song and then he deliberately does not credit himself in the song. <laughs> One of my biggest learnings from this book is that the McRib only comes out occasionally because McDonald's is making it scarce to trick you into thinking you like it. <laughs> So one of my most embarrassing moments was when I was opening for Kevin Pollock. He's Tom Cruise's best friend and a few good men. He's one of the tiny guys in Willow. He's actually the dad in Marvelous Miss Maisel. He's acted oh. in a hundred things, but he's also a comic. So he was selling his books after every show and he asked me to collect the money for him. And when each night was over, he would give me a $20 bill. And at the time... I really needed every one of those $20 bills. But on the last night, he gave me the 20 and I put it in my back pocket, which is where I had been putting all of the money from all of the book sales. So while he's saying goodbye to the last few people, I walk into the green room and I realize that I have put the money he gave me in the same pocket as the book money. So as I take the $20 bill out of my back pocket, start putting it into my front pocket, he walks in <laughs> and it just <laughs> And we look at each other for a second, and then neither of us said anything. He just starts putting his things away. Oh, no. And then he didn't say goodbye to me that night. So now Kevin Pollock just thinks that I was probably taking from all of his book sales. Oh, no. And that's one of those things, you know how you do something and you just can't explain it because it makes it uh -huh, worse. Explaining it makes it look no, worse. No, I, was, uh, I put the money in the wrong pocket and now I'm putting it in the right <laughs> pocket. You just look like a liar. <laughs> What's funny is that after our live shows, Kellen has told me we sold zero tickets. And... <laughs> <laughs> All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from Contagious. One. To spread your product, attach it to triggers. Two, people share to show off. Three, make it public. Four, people love secrets but not keeping them. And five, for your own safety, defrost those bananas.
No house elves. <laughs> We're just muggles, but I paid good money. I wanted a goblin to do a little dance for me. <laughs> <laughs>